Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, that, everyone. That was much more excited than last week. Yeah, and I did that just for you, Nathan. It, well, it got more and more because we actually had a mess up in between, and you did a different intro on the last one. You were so excited for this one. It got me pumped, Jason. Your I'm, enthusiasm. I'm I know what people often are telling you is, Jason, you need to calm down. You're too yeah. excited. You're scaring <laughs> they, they people with how excited you all are. All the time. All and the I just time. want to say I like I it. I'm that here for it. to Jason since he was a little kid. There you go. Oh, all the time. <laughs> I'm known for my enthusiastic spirit. <laughs> Everyone's like, Jason's just in your face. He's a firework. Mm-hmm. Fireworks. So, we're back. We are back. We got some questions today. Um, as I said... can't see it, but one of our fine CCC volunteers is outside doing some fine work for us. He's doing we a great job. Very much. I'm just going to mention his name. Don Barber's outside doing some work for us. He's we're cleaning sure. up Thank the parking you. lot. Doing a great doing job. Doing a great job. So... Um, yeah, so we got a couple questions, and uh, we're going to get to those. Uh, I'll just remind everybody, now, if you joined us last week, I introduced a new segment. We still want your feedback about that segment. It was called Headlines, where we basically make fun of the news. If any of y'all were scarred by headlines, you yes. should let us know. That's right. Go, go, to the, go, to, go to the question form in the discussion or into the, the description and tell us whether you want more headlines. If so, I'll bring those back next week. Exactly. And, uh, and I'll might do, more do it anyway. And I might anyway because <laughs> I do what I want because I'm so enthusiastic. And uh, so anyway, that was that. And send us more questions because we got two from our listeners uh, that they want us to, to, to deal with. And uh, I think this first one's going to give us a good discussion. The second right. one's going to be pretty quick. So All right. let's go ahead and get into the first one. Here's the first one. When Jesus started his ministry, was it just for the 12 Jewish tribes, the Jewish people, or was he targeting Jews and Gentiles alike? And part of the, the reason they ask this question, they refer to it, and I won't read the whole thing, but there's that story, and we talked about this way back on episode 8, a long time ago, about a year ago. Uh, where Jesus makes a comment to a Gentile woman where he, he says, you know, basically calls her a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we deal with that, and there's a reason why he does that and play on words. But anyway, um, he makes the point that I was sent to the Jews and not necessarily to the Gentiles. That's sort of the way it sounds when he talks. And so a lot of people have wondered about that. Was Jesus just a Jewish Messiah? And then the whole Gentile thing, which is the rest of us, come later? Or was Jesus all about that from day one? And um, that's a good question because I think some of the statements that Jesus has made and maybe some way that people sometimes read the Bible makes it sound like that or appear that way. Um, but I think all in all, uh, it's a misunderstanding of what Jesus came to do and what he came to bring. And it really plays into the entire story of Scripture. And I thought that'd give us a good chance to talk about um, God's dealing with human beings and how that sort of thing comes about what the story is all about so let's talk about that okay is it is god i guess what a lot of people want to think is because of the way the bible is slanted toward the jewish people is 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 that god's people and he cares more about them than everybody else well i do think that's a that's a that's a question worth asking because i do think i think as you once again read the story of the bible it certainly it certainly can appear that way yeah, yeah. Uh, i know it's referred to as for some the scandal of particularity that god mm. chooses a particular 
person initially in Abraham. Then he chooses Abraham's family, which then becomes the nation of Israel. And he does say, you're my chosen people. Yes. You're my chosen person that you, that out of all the nations in the world. And then he even says things like, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. Like mm-hmm. it feels very much like, well, God's really only for these people and he's against other people. But ultimately the, what the story is, is about how God creates this whole creation, all of creation, this wonderful uh, place for us to be so that we could be with him, ruling alongside him, uh, having dominion over things, which uh, many of us take to mean to dominate it and to do whatever I want, but really it means to rule and to influence as God would do so. Then obviously we mess that up. And God says, here's how It really is about the thing we talked about back in January. It's all about bringing shalom. Right. God intended for human beings for his his peace, his wholeness to rule this planet and so he's, human beings. And so he starts with the nation of Israel because, and, and this is the nature, and this is even if you see it throughout the Bible of, well, why did we suddenly just stop writing the Bible? Because, mm. I mean, that's a question people come up with, and maybe you've not had that question, but I think it's a good question of why, why did we just stop? Why don't we just like constantly write new books and new stuff God's doing and new stuff? It is this particularity that there's a story that God is writing throughout history that we really get to be a part of and almost we repeat like good players on a stage. We're just coming into the same story and we're doing it in our context, in our relationships. And that story is how, what does it look like when the infinite God of the universe decides to interact with human beings? What kind of people do they need to be? We talked about this in the last podcast, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of person do I need to be to interact with God, like what would what would be the kind of person who would freely do the things God would want them to do, and to have that kind of influence? And so that's the story. And obviously, eventually, through this one nation, he says, "This is the model I want for the whole world," and that gets picked up, obviously, by Jesus, who fulfills that. And then the church is given that mission to go out and take that everywhere, and that's for all people now. So mm-hmm. was God always about all people? God was always yes. about all people, well, but he did work through— Well, you see that through all, all the yes. things yeah. for, for, for everywhere. I mean, well, he said it in his very first promise to he Abraham. Does. He says, yes. your descendants are going to be like—you can't be able to count them. That's certainly more than just the Jewish people. And then he said, you're going to bless the whole world. All, all the whole nations. world will be blessed through you. That's right. Yes. So that was the plan from the beginning, just— just because it, you know, gradually expands from that point going forward, I think that's what we see mostly because it is, we, you know, the Jewish scriptures is what we have to read about in the story that we have recorded for us. So we, it does seem, like you said earlier, Nathan, it does seem slanted that direction, but it is because of the progressive nature of God's plan. I know at one point we were trying to teach this in a different, I mean, over the, I don't, can't even remember how long ago this is, we taught the whole story of the Bible it really comes down to, so God starts this whole thing with human beings and human beings because he loves us. He gave, we are a species with free will because he wants us to love him. We have to have a choice and we rebel. And that, but God wants to be with people. He wants to be with people and he has to get it back on track, but he can't violate our free will. He has to have influence. And so he chooses a person. Mm-hmm. And there's almost an indication when you read about Abraham, and I know there's books written about this, that maybe he tried to choose Abraham's dad, and Abraham's dad didn't want to. (laughs) And Abraham finally said, yes, God's trying to choose a a people. 
And then through him, he's going to choose a family, and through that family, he's going to build a nation. But the whole thing was always about getting all humanity. So one way of looking at the story of Jesus is Jesus is the completion of Israel's story. Israel, yes. Israel's just the building on Abraham's story. Israel leads to the completion of, of Jesus being the completion of their story, and he launches the people of God again. Mm. Yeah. It goes man and woman to one man to a family to a nation to one man mm-hmm. to a family. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, just, and I, think, I think the struggle with this, and I do think this is a particular modern problem. I don't know that ancient readers would have had this problem because it's not how we do. We tend to think, this is our, once again, because I think we think of the Bible in terms of categories. And what I think is an all-powerful, all-knowing God should just drop a completed textbook <laughs> to people and say, this is all you need to Because I have this question a lot. Well, why doesn't the Bible address certain things? And I don't even mean like modern things like the internet. I mean even problems that we have now of their, their conversations and people trying to figure out, what, why didn't the Bible fully just come out and say, no slavery ever? Or and, here's the right form of human government. Or this is the form, <laughs> this is how you should think about women, and this is how you should think about this. And certainly, all of that stuff is in there. The principles. I'm not trying to say that, but I get it. There is no just blanket statement that if I was writing a book and I wanted to give everyone, I'd do this. But think about it this way: God is working within relationships. I would not be a good father if, when my baby is—and I'm not even saying an infant—the moment right now, I've got a five-year-old who's learning to read. For me to plop down the instruction manual of how to operate a car, how to do her taxes, how to do this and go, this is all you need to know. I'm going to work with her progressively over time, understanding that even though there are things she might be able to intellectually understand, she is not mature enough to know how to deal with it. Because if you look again at the story, you take Abraham and you say, a lot of the stories of these people that we prop up as heroes, even though they are heroes of faith, is stories of people just not doing what God told them to do. So you take Abraham, the very first There are no heroes that are really heroes. No. Well, not there in the are sense no heroes. not in the sense that we have, which That's is right. they're flawless. Yeah, that's right. The whole point is God comes to Abraham and says, Leave your father's household and follow me. And the first thing Abraham does is go, leave my father's household. Okay, cool. I'm taking some of my father's household with mm-hmm. me. I'm gonna take Lot and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my cut, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take all these people. They're gonna come with me. And God goes, Well, I said leave them, but okay, take them. That's fine. We'll you already work bro- through that too. Yep. And then he goes, We talked about this last week. Hey, bring the people to Mount Sinai. And they say, well, no, we're going to send Moses. And he goes, okay. Then while Moses is up on the Temple Mount and God's covenant with them, the first covenant that God has is, first rule is, you shall have no other gods before me. The next day, they make a golden calf and they can't do it. And this is hard for us to imagine. That literally is, because it's like a marriage covenant, on your wedding night, sleeping with the bridesmaid. That's right. (laughs) And then everyone goes, well, this ain't going to turn out good. This ain't going to go the way you want it to go. And so, anyway, all that to say, it's progressive. Even these yes. people, they could intellectually understand the laws God was giving and the kind of life he wanted them to live. The human race was not at a place that they could understand all of these things that right. now we do. Yeah. So God wasn't just dropping a textbook. And it would have honestly been ungracious for God. Well, to you drop. reminded me of something I just heard this week, a uh, uh, preacher that I listen to basically every week was talking about, imagine what it sounded like to the disciples when Jesus did finally give them their final marching orders. They're standing on that hill. Jesus is risen. And he says, now I want you to go to every single nation 
and make disciples like I've done with you, go to every single nation. He made the point, uh, it was so brilliant, he said, these guys had not traveled more than 30 miles away right. from where they were standing. And and he and, said, go to every single place. He said, for them, that had to have, if they had not been with Jesus, and his point was, they'd been with Jesus the whole time, and the whole time he'd been teaching them these little lessons of, hey, you just you just do what you can do. I'll, I'll do what I only I can do, and we'll get this thing done. It's what he was teaching them with the loaves and the fish. That's yeah, what right. he was teaching them when they were in the storm, and he calmed the storm, yep. when Peter walked on the water, and the whole thing. He was saying, you guys just listen, do what I tell you to do, bring what you got, and we'll be just fine. And he said, so for them to go from that little nation to the world now, because they'd seen what they'd seen and experienced what they experienced with Jesus, now it didn't seem quite so big of a task. That's right. Now they were given, it was now the whole world was open to them. And don't we see that? So here's like a, a real, I don't want to say real world as if that wasn't, but here's a thing you can practically see. If you're new to faith, you, you probably have seen families that we would say have like a legacy of faith, mm-hmm. that grandparents were just faithful followers of Jesus and then their children were faithful followers and then their grandchildren. Everyone knows that if the grandchildren choose it and they choose to be, they are better set up than the grandparents were if the grandparents were new believers when they did. Oh, that's for sure true. And the kids, they're starting with a better understanding and because I see this in mind, obviously, I mean, you've told your story of Mm -hmm. you you weren't, you, you didn't even follow Jesus until you were an adult. I mean, you right. would have been That's 18, right. 19. But yeah. my dad didn't follow until he was in his 50s. Right. And so... My grandpa until he was in his 80s. I know that I know that me and my brothers are better set up as disciples of Jesus based on your understanding when you had us. But I also know, because I can see it in my children, That's right. there are things they're better set up because... I at thirty am better set up than thirty, and that's not any patting on the back. That's a that's what we call a legacy of faith. Well, it's, it's a misreading the way people often read scripture when it says he'll visit it to the third and fourth generation. Right. We see that as God doing something. Mm-hmm. I am making this happen. What he all he's doing is he's not being prescriptive. He's being descriptive. Yeah. He's describing what happens when you sin and you display that before your generation. And we see this. I mean. You could the same thing in families. Oh, yeah. I get off track. My kids have a chance to get off track in the same exact kind of way, mm-hmm. and it probably gets worse. And then their kids, it's harder to. It's why you sometimes will say to people, you see these systems of abuse where there was a person who was abused. Mm-hmm. If you look back, there the person who abused them probably was abused and probably was a family member. And you look back, and they were probably abused, and it was probably a family member. You have to say to people, it's somebody has to write a new story. Yes. Somebody has to decide to break that legacy. And, that's and what, they're never going to do it perfectly, but they have to choose to do it. And that's what God's doing, but he's not... And I know he starts with a family, but he's doing it with people who have no concept that murder is wrong. They have no concept that child sacrifice is wrong. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the things that were normal in their society are beyond atrocious to us. I mean, even in oh. even in places in our world right now that we'd say, wow, that's a really cruel place to live, that would have been a be- above average place in that's the right. ancient world that this stuff is. And so God's 
it's sometimes referred to as progressive revelation, or I'm not even sure where I fit on all those topics, but the idea that God is progressively growing the humanity to the kingdom. His influence is growing. Yes. His influence. You can see in the early chapters, it gets off track of that. I mean, it gets really off track all the way down to Noah, and God just, okay, all right, I'm going to start up. We're going to try again. And you have to grow that influence. You have to grow it. And so Jesus is the completion. So to get back to the story, the question he did come for Israel to complete their story, but their story had always included yes. the Gentiles. Yes. From it the had beginning. always been for the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. It had never been the Gentiles are eventually going to serve Israel. It's, it's not, the story was never about Israel. Or the that story he, has always been God's story, and he was telling it through Abraham, just like the story of Israel is not Abraham. It's about Israel, and Israel was always pointing to Jesus, and Jesus is always pointing us back to God. It's Jesus is the story. Mm-hmm. He's the story. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it eventually gets to, he's going to say, and that's why he says to his disciples, I'm going to leave, you're going to get the Holy Spirit, and greater things than I have done. Oh, yeah. Because he also never traveled outside that no. little country. No. That's why he told the story. He told that a series of stories about you know the kingdom of God. It's it's like a it's like a little bit of yeast, and I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna put it in the dough, and it's just gonna spread, and exactly. it's gonna be like a, a little tiny mustard seed. You're gonna put it in the ground, and you're gonna think it's nothing, and then it's gonna and birds are gonna come in and nest in its branches. You're gonna be amazed at how far this thing goes. They had no idea what he was talking about, but we we get the benefit of looking back on that and going, dude, he was right. Yeah. And, that, and that's amazing because that we know that was written two thousand years ago. And Jesus, Jesus even looks at a woman and says, "The whole world's going to know about you, and they're yep. going to hear your story." The woman that anointed him at the, at, yep. the, at the banquet, and I bet people read that in the first century and went, "Everybody's going to know about her." Come on now. And here we are, two thousand years later. Jesus was right. He was right because he he saw that. Well, and I think you talk about. The yeast, the story, you know, the parable of the yeast, and you, the parable of the uh, mustard seed, and this, all this stuff of Jesus. This is what the kingdom is like. The mm-hmm. other part of that is how slow it is, and yes. we just miss that. It's the patient it's ferment. Patient ferment. It's the patient <laughs> ferment. Of their, it's just slow, and it takes long. And this is this is honestly where I was trying to, when we were talking earlier about legacy of faith. I know, especially in our church, we have a lot of first generation Christians. You're new to this, and maybe you got kids. I can think of several fathers in our church who are raising young kids and you are trying to get this right and you feel like, man, I am messing this up more than I'm getting it right. One, it doesn't matter whether you're a, a second or third generation Christian, we all messing up you're the messing parenting it up. thing. Oh, yeah. But if you will be faithful and you, and you just see it's going to take a long time, and it, and it may not first take root with your kids, but if you can keep being faithful, God does visit these things these things mm-hmm. onto second and third generations. And it's, you know, they get a choice in the whole thing, but I, I think you will see if you're willing, you'll eventually see a tree from that mm. or that, you know, a planted mm-hmm. a mustard seed. Right. But that eventually, and that's what I love about that mustard seed illustration, right? Which is yeah. it doesn't, it's not a plant that becomes so big that birds can nest in it. It's almost a comic image that Jesus yeah. is getting is you're going to do something and this will become this, this plant that no one has ever seen before. It's right. going to be so big that, that birds, which, was often what people refer to Gentiles as. Okay. Yeah. It was a term <laughs> for right. birds. That was yeah. the way they did It's Jesus saying there's going to be birds from every nation that's going to yes. be here that you will look one day and you will see a tree of your family that or or some result that you go, man, I could have never imagined that my life would turn well, out And like you that. can't read the story of Jesus for very long and, and not see that 
he is he's doing things that are so offensive to the oh, Jewish people yes. by you know he's going to a Roman centurion yep. and he's he's saying I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel everybody would go what in the world are you saying exactly we Praise got the good Samaritan we're we're God's people we're right. the ones with faith no this Roman he's got more faith than all y'all that's right and yeah like you just said I mean just all these people that are outside of that. Yep. Privileged family of God, and he's going. No, they've got it right. They got it right, and you guys got it wrong. It, it, come on, that's why they killed him. That yeah. is why they. You know, it's because he did take this out, and they 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 didn't see it as you know God's plan. So, um, you know, back to the question. Uh, it it was for all at all times. It's just what you're reading in Scripture is part. You're 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 jumping into the middle yep. of a way bigger story. Yeah, so. unfortunately, I think people in People that do what the three of us have done, I think we played into this and in that we we focus sometimes in the Old Testament. And there are good things we can learn out of the Old Testament. We forget the Old Testament's not the completion of anything. Right. Mm. It's leading to something. And so we go, well, it's a nation of Israel, and we've got to focus on the nation of Israel, and it's that nation of Israel is the same as this nation of Israel, and we've got to do this stuff with the nation of Israel. Man, it's like getting... Act one, and you only see act one of the play, and we go, you know, the whole purpose of the play was act one. It's mm-hmm. act one. The, the rest of that didn't mean anything. Mm. Well, no, it's you got to you got to you got to get to the whole story. The whole story is what the playwright's trying to, to tell. Mm. Yeah. Well, in good. the Old Testament is the 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 purpose for us of the Old Testament. It help it explains what Jesus is doing. Yeah. The whole purpose of the Old Testament helps me to understand these kind of things that we look at. We go, well, why did Jesus do this bizarre thing? Well. Mm-hmm. Jesus is either fulfilling something or he sometimes is parroting something mm-hmm. that happens. Like he's, he's, he's uh, satirizing something that happened or these kind of nature of there's a picture that's painted of what could be, but Israel never gets there. David, yeah. you know, everyone loves David. David didn't get there. Nope. Moses didn't get there. All these great heroes of theirs, even they failed and couldn't get to what the goal was. Jesus is the only one that can get well, there. Well, there's a, there's a way to read the, the stories of Jesus, which, I mean, the life of Jesus and you guys already know this as well, that is a retelling of the Israel yes. story, but mm-hmm. telling it right. There's so many things we see, and people don't really always get it until you... It, it doesn't change anything about Jesus that you no. get it, so I'm not saying anybody needs to get it. Uh, you know, Jesus goes to Egypt. Well, who yeah. else do mm-hmm. we know in the Bible that went to Egypt and then yep. came back after an evil king who wanted to kill all the babies? Huh. <laughs> and, you know, and an angel protected him, all that. Yep. <laughs> all of those things, he's he's taken to a desert, and but God provides for him, you know, and he says, yeah. man doesn't live by bread alone. You know, all... It's yep. a retelling. Yeah, he's he's tempted. He's tempted for forty days. They're tempted for forty yeah, years. Yeah, it's it's a turn, completion of the story. He is completing the story of Israel and saying, yeah. "Okay, this testament, I bring to you a new yeah. covenant. Yes. This was a covenant. Mm-hmm. This is a covenant. And again, one of the misreadings is we want to still say this covenant. Yep. Now, when you fulfill it, it's fulfilled. Filled. Filled Filled full. full. (laughs) That's what the old preachers used to tell me. That's what that word means. (laughs) Filled full. Yeah, I always think in terms of if I give you a coupon and you go get what it says, you... That coupon has been fulfilled. It's done. Yeah, you don't so you use can't it use it again. It, yeah. it, I don't have to keep saying, but that's got to happen. Yeah. It did happen. <laughs> All right. Last question for today. 
and this one won't take too long, hopefully. Well, who knows with the way we talk. <laughs> um, questioner wants to know uh, that they, that first they say, that I recently found out this, this, about this series online called The Chosen. Have any of you watched it, and how do you feel about it? So for a little bit of context, for those of you who don't know, um, The Chosen is an online uh, series that is being produced right now. It's in, it's, it, they're producing it right now, and it's being shown. And it is a retelling of the life of Jesus in a very dramatic uh, way um, and done to pretty high standards as television goes. I've seen and, one episode. Yep. It's it's engaging TV. Yeah. It I have really also is watched engaging one. TV. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I, like Ed and I both have just seen one. I think Nathan you've seen more than one. Yeah, I've seen uh 3 or 4 of them and it was very moving to me. Every uh every episode I've seen, I've I've been very moved. I don't have a lot of time for TV shows that my that the rest of my family doesn't want to watch and mm-hmm. so uh you know they're heathens and they don't want to watch <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yeah. but no, those five-year-olds. Yeah. As I say, they're not they're not that interesting. Because I will say this: it's not, and I'm not saying they're obviously it's about Jesus. There's nothing that's super inappropriate, but it it would not. It's not a children's show in no. the sense that yeah. it would be over their head. They would mm-hmm. have a hard time following what's mm-hmm. going on. But yeah, I found it very um, very compelling in 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 what we had this conversation be- before we started filming. But in what it's supposed to be, which is an artistic retelling of the life of Jesus and art. And there's always this phrase of like life depicting art and art depicting life as if I'm, I'm, I consider myself a very artistic person. And so it always kind of frustrates me in the sense that art is not trying to be a play by play of anything. And so this is not ever meant to be, I'm not speaking for the producer. I think Mm -hmm. they would also say this is not meant to substitute the Bible or replace the Bible. This is not, what actually happened? Because there's a lot of this that they oh, are. There's a lot of stuff that they just sort of make up. That yeah, that might have happened. Up. Yeah, that might have happened. That certainly at they least they take four verses of the Bible and turn it into thirty minutes of an episode, and sometimes less than that of the Bible. Because yeah. the very first episode is a lot of backstory oh, on yeah. Nicodemus. Who I mean, we, we to even say we have four. I get we have a dialogue between him and Jesus, <laughs> but we don't really get any backstory. He's mentioned on twice, him. no, three times. There's yeah. three times I can think of. And I bet in total there's not 40 verses. Yeah, no, and no. even that is a conversation. It's not like they're like, Nicodemus was from this town, and this is yeah. what his relationship was like with the people in the town. But I think, and this is where it gets to, we were talking about this in like a lot of what they're called biopics, biographies. There's a lot of things in any movie that you watch that has been dramatized that didn't happen to the person. But often it's speaking to a truth that is behind the thing. Like, That's right. Everyone should know the Social Network movie, which is great. I love it. The Facebook movie about Mark Zuckerberg founding. It has now been pretty much depicted. Most of that stuff did not happen almost at all how it happened. And it's not even trying to tell us a truth about Mark Zuckerberg. It's trying to tell about the kind of nature of what happens online and the kind of thing. So there's mm-hmm. a truth that's behind that. And I think what The Chosen is trying to do, which I found kind of compelling, was tell us about what happens to people who interact with Jesus. Yeah. The way life change happens mm-hmm. when a person, like a super religious person like Nicodemus, who has a bunch of categories in their head of how God would act, suddenly see something they can't explain. What would happen? What happens to someone like, who I assume is in this story supposed to be Mary Magdalene in mm-hmm. the first episode, yep. who gets these demons brought out of her? What would a person who interacted with Jesus like that 
is, is, are the producers of Chosen going to get to heaven with Mary Magdalene? And she's going to go, that's not at all what happened to me. It wasn't even me. Yeah. <laughs> that Maybe. person with the demons that they barely mentioned was not, not me. me. Yeah. Yes. So I'm by no means I'm trying to either promote or defend the Chosen, but I found it to be somewhat pretty compelling. I think, like you said, if you take it for what it is trying to do yes. and you watch it with that in mind, you can get a lot out of it. The only caution, I guess I would say to people, is don't use that as a substitute for right. the scriptures who that the, were the eyewitness accounts of what happened. Yeah. So if it then causes you to want to go back and become more acquainted with the story of Jesus, sure. it has done its job. Just don't make it the thing you put yes. your faith upon. Yes, and don't take lines from it and say, well, the Bible says... No, mm -hmm. you need to go see if the Bible says right. what that That's character right. said in The Chosen. Yeah. But I, I do think after watching, and I've seen clips from other episodes as well, I think it, it can be a great tool to help people who are not acquainted with the Bible right. get at least their interest peaked a little bit and know that, hey, there's a, there's a really compelling story in here. Because sometimes when you read it, because it is ancient literature, yeah, that's right. it doesn't pique our uh, emotions the way that modern kinds of presentations do. And so this is a modern presentation of the story that I think can really speak to people's modern sensibilities. Well, and, and certainly to do what good art should do, which is to to show the beauty of something, mm. which is if what it does, once again, if you get past, if, if like you said, don't make it a substitute of that is what Jesus mm. said or that is, you know, what happens, you know, whatever. If you, if you take that part out, if you look at it and it makes you go, wow, Jesus is more beautiful than I imagined he'd yeah. be, or oh man, he's more gracious than I imagined he'd be, then I do think that honors God. Well, and, I and think, that is true. Yes. Even though, even yes. more than what you know in the Bible, if you go... God is probably more beautiful and more wonderful than what I thought. Yes, that is true. Well, and even there's one episode where, I think it's episode three or four, it's one of the last ones I watched, where Jesus is, the whole episode is just Jesus hanging out with children. It was showing how children were very much just attracted to being around. And part of the reason why is Jesus is funny. And it's, it's this version of Jesus that almost none of us think of. Yeah. That he's playful, he's silly, he's doing like hide and seek with the kids, and the kids love it. And I think... Even if it does what Dallas Willard said, that God is the most joyful being to ever exist, that if that's the, suddenly I go, oh my mm -hmm. God, Jesus is multidimensional to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about any piece of art that makes you, that moves you towards the beauty of God and the wonder of the world. That's beneficial to you. Yeah. That is a, that is a, that is, as I said to somebody, I remember having an emotional experience during a Beyonce song that was not meant at all for Jesus. But when I heard it and I heard her ability to sing and the way the notes of the song came oh, together yeah. and it caused me to stir, she did not mean for me to think about Jesus, but it became a spiritual experience because I said, what a God that would make a person that can for, do that. That can do that mm -hmm. for my enjoyment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For my enjoyment. That that moved me. That's a spiritual experience. And I've had lots of oh, songs man, that were yeah. meant to make me worship God that have never made me have that Boy, experience. that's the truth. And I think it's a great thing. When you become spiritually minded, like you just talked about, I've had experiences in movies yes. and in songs that were not written by Christians, yep. were not intended for a Christian message whatsoever, that I heard a line or I saw an interaction and I went, there it is. Yep. And I just had this with a, a movie I watched, and I'm not recommending the movie, but um, it's called Sound of Metal. 
yeah. Uh, it was just nominated for an Academy Award. I like that movie. You know, a being a metalhead, I thought, well, it's yeah. got it's tangentially about something I like. I watch it, and so I watch it, and it's the story of this guy who loses. He's a, a drummer, and he loses his hearing, and he goes through this struggle through recovery of trying to figure out what his life is going to be like. And and I won't ruin it, but there's this one scene where he talks to his sponsor, mm-hmm. and the sponsor begins to help him open up to this new world that he's a part of. And he even makes, a, he even uses the words. He says, you, you're tapping into the kingdom of God. Yep. And I went, Oh, and I, and I took everything and I put it all together. And for a, a person who is living in the kingdom of God, I'm like, He's right. He is right. There it is. And I'm telling you, none of the people who made that movie were were at all trying to get that message across to me, but I, I could see it with kingdom eyes. Yes. And I think, like you just said, good, true art, we can find those things in yeah. it, no matter where it comes from. Well, because it ultimately is Jesus is inviting us into a kingdom where nothing is ordinary, where everything is an opportunity for God to speak to me, even in the brokenness of things, that when I see something and I weep because this world is so broken, like, I mean, this is an example I think most people are aware of, like a movie like Schindler's List, where mm-hmm. I look and I go, there certainly is not much beautiful in that film, but the the brokenness of the world, and it causes me to weep at, oh my, how broken this world is. Well, God is also speaking to me there, and he's drawing me into a kingdom where that's not the case. And so... I do fear sometimes for Christians, we uh, we don't like art as much as we should. <laughs> we, we we are drawn away from it at times because there's this feeling of it may not be um, intellectually true or it yeah. doesn't. But there's a beauty. There's a you know quote. I think it's Dostoevsky who said, "Beauty will save the world." Mm-hmm. That there's a there is a that the, the and he was a he was a Christian who was pointing to ultimately that what what God is beautiful and that it's in this beauty there's something beautiful about the cross that we don't always see and there's a way that art and things like this it captures it and it draws me in to the beauty of god's kingdom Mm. and we don't have to be afraid of that all the time so i think you've inspired me you guys have inspired me i want to go back and watch more of this Mm -hmm. see because i remember watching the first uh, episode of the chosen and i remember at the end of it having a pretty emotional reaction to it and i went wow that i saw jesus in a new light and i thought this this is good and uh, and I'd just forgotten, honestly, until the question per- the person who asked the question brought it back up. I was like, oh, yeah, I never did go back and watch the rest of that. So I think I'm going to try and do that at some point when I have time. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all we got for today. That, that is plenty of time for us. So we will see you guys next week. Hopefully, send us some questions we will answer, and I might bring back headlines. We'll yep. see. Yay. We'll have some good headlines next week. All right. See ya. Bye.